healthy lifestyle is brought to you by SeptaGuard. SeptaGuard, your family's all-natural defense against infections. Azania Musaka on 702. Healthy lifestyle is brought to you by SeptoGuard. SeptoGuard, where your family, your family's all natural defense against infections. Um, and this is because we're kicking off the health and wellness feature now as we talk to Professor Helen Reed. She's the chairperson of the Medicines Control Council. So if you have any questions about clinical trials, you can pose them right now to her on 011-883-0702 uh, and 31702 for your SMSs because we were quite intrigued, of course, after news broke last week that a man had died and uh, five other had been hospitalized in France after taking part in a clinical trial for new painkiller that was developed by a uh, Portuguese pharmaceutical company. I mean, it was just terrible news because the other five men are believed to be in a stable condition. And uh, this is according to French health authorities. But they did warn that uh, three of them may be left with permanent brain damage. There have been different uh, uh, cases over the years, sources of concern around clinical trials. There was one that happened in the UK as as well that led to six young men being treated for multiple organ failure within hours of taking a drug uh, uh, during uh, clinical trials and uh, this was to uh, combat auto uh, an auto uh, immune disease and uh, leukemia so um, it should be noted however that such severe reactions um, uh, are not particularly common and there is a high level of safety when it comes to uh, clinical trials but how often does it happen in South Africa. Have you ever participated in clinical trials? I'd love to hear from you on why you signed up um, and the experience, in fact. Did you feel assured and in safe hands? Good afternoon, Professor Reed. Thank you so much for your time today. Good afternoon, Asanya. Well, you are the chair of the South African Medicines Control Council, which is responsible for uh, clinical trials in South Africa. Um, I know that um, clinical trials happen all over the world, but South Africa receives its own fair share of of contracts, doesn't it? Yes, um, and, and just to clarify what we mean by responsible. So the Medicines Control Council is our drug regulatory authority for South Africa. And so we have regulatory oversight. The people who are responsible for doing the studies and uh, are, are obviously the sponsors and the researchers on the ground. So the MCC then has oversight to ensure that what the study is, is being proposed is, is makes sense scientifically, that it looks that all the indications are that it's going to be safe and then there's continued monitoring and then there's a look at the results. So each of those entities has a different role in this. Mm. Your, your second question is yes, there, there are quite a lot of clinical trials done and there are I think two main reasons for that. First of all, um, South Africa does have quite a, a strong reputation in terms of good clinical research. Mm-hmm. Um, and that reputation means that uh, we've got both scientists and infrastructure that allow really good scientific studies, uh, clinical trials, to be undertaken in South Africa. That's the, the first thing. The second thing is that, um, unfortunately, and this is the, the bad thing, is that uh, we have a combination of many diseases that we're grappling with in this country. So mm-hmm. we're a country that needs a lot of new drugs. So we need 
better antiretrovirals, we need better TB drugs, we need better vaccines, but we also need better drugs to manage things like hypertension and diabetes. So we have a lot of disease and a lot of need for better drugs. So from a scientific and a clinical perspective, it's very appropriate that we are undertaking research to try and improve what's available for the community. Mm, uh, and of course, this serves humanity um, it, so that we, we are able to treat disease in a more efficient manner. Uh, and there are different types, right? There are different types of clinical trials that do take place depending on uh, um, what is being tested. That's absolutely right. So um, I think you mentioned, first of all, the French study, which, as you say, is a real tragedy. Uh, and we don't have enough information to comment on what went wrong here. Mm-hmm. And that was, as you probably read, what's called a phase one study. So the way that this happens is uh, it takes... There are many, many, many what we call candidate drugs that that the pharmaceutical industry will look at um, when they're trying to develop drugs. So if they're saying, for example, you want a better hypertensive, they'll look at different molecules, they'll look at a whole range of things, they'll look at different ways that drugs may work. And from thousands of possible molecules, it comes down to fewer and fewer and fewer. And eventually there'll be serious testing looking in the laboratory, whether we think from a laboratory perspective this would work for what the indication was. And then it will go into animal studies and the animal studies will look at what the impact on what you're trying to achieve is on an animal and you try and get animals that are as close to the human condition as you possibly can, noting it can't be a human at that point. Yes. And also, and also looking at safety uh, and that's very important. So when we come to the study that you've just mentioned, that's called a phase one trial. And these are the earliest, earliest studies that we do in, in human subjects. And these are really to, to look at a drug that by all indication looks like it's got potential to work and from all indications to that point looks like it's, it's got the potential to be safe. Mm. And then we take it into these phase one studies and, and these are done in healthy human subjects, not people who've got the diabetes or the hypertension, but people who volunteer, who are healthy and who aren't pregnant, etc. So yes. these are usually well young people. Mm. And what we're looking at there is to say, does this look as if we're on the right track? Uh, is it safe? What are the sort of doses we think that we should have? What are the side effects that we see when we put it into people? And are there any early indications that this might indeed work mm-hmm. for the indication? That's called a phase one trial. That's the earliest trial. And it's done in a small number of people. Does that suggest that that's where the most risk exists? Um, uh, not, not necessarily, but it would be the first time. That it, 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 the very first phase one would be the first time that it would have been used in, in human subjects. But you might well, but one of the things we see, for example, with, um, for example, antiretroviral drugs is that many of those phase one trials will be done first in the country where the drug is developed, which is often in the developed world. Mm. And only then do we do a phase one, say, in our local populations. So it would depend whether it's the very, very first phase one or the next phase one, etc. So that's the, the first thing. But you're quite right. I mean, this is where we're first looking in human subjects. But having said that, because you, you have quite a small number of people, when you come to the next part, it's where you, you go to a larger number of people in populations that uh, you're likely to use the drug in. And then you're starting again. You're looking at safety, looking at acceptability, looking at the side effect profile. And you're starting to look then at whether this is really indicating it's going to work. And then you go to even bigger 
numbers of people mm. to really demonstrate whether the drug works or not and always, always looking at safety. So in terms of numbers, as you go up from phase one to phase two to phase three, the numbers of people go up. So in that sense, we're always very vigilant because we've got larger numbers of people who are now being exposed to a new mm -hmm. drug. Mm -hmm. so, so, so yes, phase one is the beginning but as you go to phase two and phase three more people are exposed you might pick up something that you wouldn't pick up in yes. a smaller group of people we go to carol in kensington good afternoon carol uh hi welcome hi yes hi um, good afternoon um i just would like to know you're talking about safety etc um now some years ago i was put on by a specialist psychiatrist um a whole batch of antidepressants and drugs mm. that within a space of four days resulted in a brand mal seizure, um, which my husband had done the, uh, first aid, so he gave me CPR, he said my eyes were already going glassy, etc. Mm. Um, but now, the whole thing is this, knowing full well that, I mean, I found this afterwards, that with Prozac, you don't give another antidepressant, which he did, and other tranquilizers on top of that. And also um, insisting on the insert of the medication, unless we had looked at it, um, when my husband phoned in after I had come to um, and phoned in the psychiatrist, mm. he said, no, I must continue with the medication. Wow. Uh, now, I mean, you know what? This has completely rewired my brain. I, don't, I cannot do the things that I used to do. Um, my husband has passed a year ago already, and... But as I say, there's no real cause for this. It's, mm. it's a kind of, you're just a statistic in this whole scheme of climbing in drugs into your body mm. to give me a boost dot, which nearly killed me, which actually, in fact, has, because I cannot resume the quality of life that I used to. Yes, I now, used to have, Carol. Um, I, I want to hear from, also, speaking of your situation, what kind of recourse there is, because now there, there are long-term side effects, as, you, uh, as you've just explained on how it's yes. impacted your quality yes. of life, Carol. Professor Rees, what kind of recourse is there? And participants... May, being made aware of the consequences that might arise from participating in clinical trials. Explain that process. What are the safeguards? I, I think just to, just to clarify, I think Carol wasn't talking about a clinical trial, if I understand. I think she was talking about uh, a prescription she received uh, from a psychiatrist who was looking after her and having a very severe side effect and then being concerned that this was actually as a result of a drug, what we call a drug interaction. And this is when you mm -hmm. take a couple of drugs together that basically don't agree with each other. And that non-agreement can result in all sorts of different endpoints. It can result in side effects. It can result in mm -hmm. failure of the impact, uh, the beneficial impact of the drug. So it sounds to me that that was what Carol was, was talking about rather than a clinical trial. So, so clearly, if, if it was clear that, that there was a clearly described drug, drug interaction, that the drugs she was given were, were warned about, were known about to give an adverse, a potential adverse drug interaction, Sometimes it has to be done because there's very strong clinical indication. Um, if, if there wasn't a strong clinical indication, if it was clearly described, then she should go back and then talk to the doctor first of all and ask about that. And then she can get advice from um, the, you can go to the professional bodies and ask for, ask for advice from them okay. to see whether this was actually responsible prescribing or not. Okay. 
Um, there's a, a, another question here that says, can you tell us about successful clinical trials? Are there examples of drugs or vaccines um, that we take due to successful trials? Um, and I think maybe that pertains directly to South Africa and the sort of trials that we're doing for the types of diseases that we have. But if you can answer that one after the break, Professor Reed, um, uh, it will be greatly appreciated. So we'll come back to that and many of the other issues arising out of uh, questions around clinical trials, how they're conducted in South Africa as we speak to uh, the chair of the South African Medicines Control Council. Zania Musaka, lines are always open on 011-883-0702. We're back with Professor uh, Helen Rees as we uh, just take a snapshot to look at clinical trials in South Africa. Prof, before the break, there was the question around uh, drug trials or clinical trials um, in South Africa that uh, have been successful. I know that uh, you you work quite closely uh, with uh, researchers when it comes to uh, finding cures or vaccines or uh, uh, preventative drugs um, when it comes to HIV and AIDS. So are there examples for uh, the person who's SMSed? Yes, I mean, it's a very important question because all of the drugs, all of what we call the orthodox medicines, these are the medicines that uh, you'll get from an a, a orthodox doctor as opposed to, say, a herbalist or a homeopath. But all of those drugs have had to have gone through a process of clinical trial. And then the regulators look at these drugs and look at the results of the clinical trials and then they register them. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, all the drugs that we have in this country, all the orthodox medicines, have gone through a clinical trial process and their safety is then monitored in an ongoing fashion once they are rolled out. So um, we don't, we wouldn't, we would register a drug Mm -hmm. unless we had evidence to register a drug. And that's also why we're very concerned when we hear that people are um, buying things over the internet because those things are not registered by the regulatory authority and we can't guarantee A, that they work and B, that they're safe. Mm-hmm. So people are taking an absolute unknown entity bought over the internet, imported illegally. And that's why we say if you have a registered drug, it's actually gone through this really important process of registration. Yes. Another one um, is asking about uh, um, marijuana. With the recent findings on marijuana, the, 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 the extract, what is it, HTC or THC, one of the extracts being uh, having medicinal qualities. Um, and I think in light of what happened with uh, NP, one of the MPs who committed suicide uh, because of uh, the pain that he was in, um, saying he's putting forward a bill in order for uh, um, for it to be possible to use uh, some extracts from marijuana for medicinal purposes. Um, and this question relates to that. Are there trials happening around this issue in South Africa? There's a lot of interest in trials in South Africa, but also worldwide in, in looking at the potential of what we call cannabinoids, mm-hmm. uh, for um, it, which is a, a, a category of a broad category of drug uh, but it but it obviously comes with cannabis um, and there's real interest in looking at it from the point of view of analgesia pain of stimulating appetite and and particularly that would be for example in people with with cancers and uh, some people are, are have been looking at it from a point of view of epilepsy but this is still in the early stages the drug that was being tested now I'm not I don't think anyone is completely clear exactly what that drug is yet, but I understand it actually wasn't um, a cannabinoid drug mm. itself, but it was, a, it was an enzyme that stops the breakdown of those in the brain. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, so certainly there is interest. Remember that there are a lot of drugs that come from plant materials mm. that we can then develop into, into medicines. And there's a real interest as well in South Africa at looking at our indigenous plants and saying, are there products that can be used for a whole range of things that can be developed into something that is widely available as a medicine? Yes. One question says, um, how do we find out about ongoing clinical trials in our area and how can we participate? This speaks to uh, how people are recruited, but there's also a suggestion on Twitter. Uh, one says people are desperate. Uh, you would also sign up if uh, you, you if you didn't have uh, an income for clinical trials. Uh, the issue of compensation, I thought that in South Africa, we don't pay for, for clinical trials participating in them. Can you clarify that matter? Yes. So the first thing is, the first uh, point is that very often um, clinical trials, they're very often raised or, or brought to the attention of patients who, for example, might be have, have diabetes and there's a clinical trial for a new and, and potentially better and improved diabetic drug. Mm. And then that clinical, the, 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 the doctor will be participating as a clinician in a much bigger clinical trial and will talk to and enroll patients. So that can happen through doctors in hospitals. It can happen in the private sector and in the public sector. Um, if there's going to be, for example, you'll sometimes hear uh, something uh, on the radio saying, mm. have you got this and this? If you're interested, let us know. All of those kinds of advertisements for clinical trials have to be approved by ethics committees. So people can't just go around saying, I'm going to advertise my clinical trial. They all have to be approved by ethics committees before you can have um, media of any sort that's advertising clinical trials. Yes. So, so, so that's the first question. Um, and, and then you were asking about compensation, which mm-hmm. is a very, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a very interesting and quite a complicated question. Um, in South Africa, we, we do uh, look at um, compensating clinical, clinical trial participants. And this is really looking at the time people take, the fact that they have to, they'll often come and spend several hours in a clinic, they have to buy food, they have to take taxis to get there. And it's really to say, we're not going to pay you a salary for doing this, because mm. that would then start to verge on the unethical. But yeah, So it's just a stipend, are, really? It, it, it's a stipend, but it's one where we really want to make sure that you are not out of pocket. Right. Well, Professor um, Helen Rees, thank you very much. Thank you for your time this afternoon. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. Professor Helen Reed, the chairperson of the Medicines Control Council. Mayday, mayday. A war's been waged against us. The immune system's a threat. We're getting too weak to fight the infection. Do not surrender. Do not drop your armor. The infection's spreading, sir. Fear not, soldiers. There's a brave hero knocking at our door and he will bring reinforcement. Captain, look. What is that coming up north? Is it an army? No, it's Septoguard. Now, let us go triumphant! When your body's under attack from infections, leave the fighting to SeptoGuard, the all-natural defense against infections and flu for the whole family.